Welcome to Mariners Talk. It is the second week of the Mariners season, and uh, we are now live, as you can see, or listen. Um, So the Mariners finished off perhaps one of the best games of the season today in an 11-10 win over the Rangers, and uh, sorry, I'm just uh, responding to a quick message on Twitter, but... um, Here's the thing. Today's win, in my opinion, was perhaps the win, the game of the year in baseball. And uh, I think I, I, I will have to say, I think all Mariner fans should have enjoyed every single second of today's Mariners game. And but uh, not a good week though for the Mariners. They did finish the the last two games of the week uh, by winning them, so we do have a two-game winning streak. Um. And so the Mariners now. So the Mariners finished the week off two and four. Um, so not really the best start that we were looking for. But the Mariners, I think, are really on the right track because if you look at today, the Mariners were awesome. They were just awesome, downright awesome, and with the Excuse me. Mariners are five and seven. So after two weeks, Mariners are five and seven after twelve games. So that's not bad. Two games under five hundred, only a game back in the in the West. I know I am counting, you know, the games already, but it's it's. I think every every game counts. Okay, every game counts. So going over today's games, we're not going to go over. We're not going to go over today's games right away. We gotta we gotta of course go through the. Uh, the previous week for the Mariners, and first off, uh, the week did not start out the way we wanted it to, um, especially um, against the Dodgers. Uh, we got swept by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Not again, again, not the best way to 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 start off this to start off this week. It just was not a good start. Um, Alex. Uh, Guerrero's walk-off single against Tyler Olson in the bottom of the 10th, just a heartbreaker. And here's the bad part. You know, the Mariners, they they, uh, they got things started right away. They got things started off by hitting two, or excuse me, by Nelson Cruz hitting a two-run home run. 
And then in the t- in the fourth inning with nobody on, he hit, he hits another home run. And then Seager hits one in the fourth. And then in the fifth, Ackley hits one. So there's five runs right there, thanks to the strength of four home runs. And Nelson Cruz, this is when this is when he started getting hot. It started all last week in Oakland. He started getting hot in Oakland, hitting those home runs left and right. And but again, the Mariners lose six to five in ten innings. Mariners had five runs on six hits, four of them being home runs. Um, the Dodgers six runs on nine hits, and James Paxton pitched in this one, and he gives us a good, he gives us a decent outing. Six and a third of an inning, um, gives up five runs, walks two, gives us six hits, and strikes out six. But Brandon McCarthy did just as good as uh, Paxton. He did even better. Goes. Seven full innings gives a five run, six hits. So basically, everything is the same except for the fact that he struck out. He struck out ten, but did give up four home runs. But the problem in this game was that when the Mariners did get home runs, besides Nelson Cruz's two run shot, there was nobody on, and that was the big and that was the big problem was that we had no one, no runners on when we got the uh, when we got the game winning hit or game-winning hit when we got the home runs. So, again, there's your problem. But then here's the thing. In the bottom of the 10th, Dominic Leone comes in and walks two batters. And then, of course, Tyler Olsen comes in. He gets the second out of the inning. Then Alex Guerrero comes up and then, of course, singles singles to end the game. And the Mariners do lose that game. But it, it, um, it was a real shame. To, to see the Mariners lose this one. I really did think that the Mariners could win this one, um, but obviously it was not meant to be. And then, of course, the next night the Mariners lose once again 6-5 to five on a walk-off hit. And this time it was the dreaded Howie Kendrick to do it, to once again bite us in the rear and put the Dodgers in front and give them the win. But the biggest problem in this game was was uh, Fernando Rodney. Rodney could not get anything going. He only got one out, gave up three hits, walked one, and then, of course, he gave up the two, the two runs to uh, eventually end the game. So that was a complete and utter disaster. And... Us fans and us fans, we were pissed off. We were pissed off beyond belief. I mean, you go back a couple of days before that, and uh, and you know he he get, he gives up a ten run lead, or excuse me, a four run lead to the A's and blows that game. So that's not good. And then now you go to this game and look what happens. You know, you don't get there's. It was just very hard to watch. Um, and for one thing, I lost my mind. I, I, I literally just lost my mind. I was swearing up and down, saying every possible swear word in the dictionary, maybe even new ones that were invented, and I was so pissed. But I'm sure that everyone else was pissed at uh, Fernando Rodney. Um but again, or excuse me, I'm I'm sorry, I keep repeating myself. But 
the fact that Rodney could not locate any of his pitches and and here's the thing I was shocked that Medina uh, came out Medina was only up to 19 pitches after two innings and he actually only gave up one hit and struck out one so again I was very surprised that Wood McClendon brought him out and put in Rodney but again we'll never know what happened but again you know the Mariners go on to lose 6 to 5 um the good news in this game though was Cano went 2 for th- 2 for 5 with his first home run of the season Nelson Cruz extended his home run streak and uh, he went one, he went uh 1 for 3 in the game of course with a uh two with the uh actually with the, an RBI and two walks so that was the thing Mariners actually uh, get 10 hits in this ball game, but go one for eight with runners in scoring position. And that's another reason why the, the Mariners team, this Mariners team lost that game was because they could not capitalize with runners in scoring position. And it was so difficult to watch because everyone's thinking, oh, here's the, the, the Mariners of last year, you know. And um, I was beginning to think that, though. And then, of course, we move on to the the final game of the series where Taiwan Walker once again gets lit up. Those four innings this time, so he goes farther than his first outing, um, gives up five runs, six hits, walks four, strikes out three. Walker could not lo- – Walker couldn't even locate his pitches either. And people are starting to wonder about both Taiwan Walker and James Paxton because – I'll get on to Paxton later today, or later in the show, but both Paxton and Walker have had such difficulties locating uh, some of their pitches. Walker, though, seems to have very... He seems to have the worst problems of all. He seems to have um, problems where he goes through stretches where he will locate his pitches, but then all of a sudden, you know, he'll throw those... He will throw those pitches where, you know, it's a no-doubt or anybody can hit it, and unfortunately, when they hit it, it will go. For, it will go for a, it. Runs will score. Excuse me. Um, the Mariners lose five to two in the series finale. So th- that once again put us down to three and six. So then we move on to Friday, where it was once again beard night at in Seattle. And and, and be honest with me. Please, I need some honest people, but be honest with me. I need your honest opinion of, wh- of just how ugly these beard hats are. I mean, for one thing, I, I'm getting sick of the beard hat. I mean, please be honest with me. How terrible are these hats? You know? I mean, here's the thing. The first year, it was fine. But I think that they have overdone it now because last year, okay, guess seven. I mean, you say they're cool, but I say they're kind of kind of goofy because here's the thing: um, beards and baseball they do go together. But last year, you know, the the, the cream color didn't really suit well, didn't really mix well with me. Um, this year they go for the teal beard, um, didn't really suit me either. But last year's or, excuse me, three years ago when they first came out with the beard hat, it was fine. 
because it was just, you know, a normal-looking Mariner's hat along with a brown beard. You know, that was simple. But now I think they're trying to get more colorful with it. But, you know, if, if they would have put a, put out a beard hat on where they actually wore their cream-colored jerseys, then I think it would make more sense. That's just me. Oh, sorry. But um, getting back to this game, Mariners go go ahead and lose 3-1. to one. Uh, Giovanni Gallardo uh, winning his second game of the year. J.A. Happ only losing his first game, but J.A. Happ gave a great performance, going seven innings, giving only up two earned runs, okay? Just two earned runs and only five hits. Now, here's the thing. The Mariners, they really, really did not pull through when they needed to be. The Mariners were one for six with runners in scoring position. And the Mariners, they actually had chances to actually win this game or even tie it up. But unfortunately, they could not do it, and they ended up losing 3-1. to one. Uh, They did get eight hits in that game, three of them coming from Nelson Cruz, who went uh, three for four, and also it ended his uh, home run streak at uh, six games, which, in fact, was the second longest streak by any Mariner. And, of course, the... Uh, the longest streak by a Mariner of hitting home runs in consecutive games was Ken Griffey Jr. That's also a that's also a major league record as well. Uh, guess seven. Uh, you uh, guess seven. Uh, you, by the way, if you want, you can listen into this podcast, or you can call in. The number is seven two four, which is the area code four 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 seven four four four. You can also, and then after you call in, you have to put in the call ID, which is. One two nine five three seven pound key. Um, also, so guest seven is saying that uh, he was one of the guys, one of every fan that criticized uh, Happ in the spring, and yes, he has pitched his ass off. Him and Felix have been great, have been very fantastic. I am not going to. I'm. I have not. I don't have one bad thing to say about J. A. Happ. I don't. Um. Walker was also the guy to be excited with, but I, I, I will I will say this: give Walker a couple more, at least maybe two more starts. Okay, just give him two more starts. If he does not pick it up, then I think we can say I think Walker needs to get sent down to Tacoma because I do believe that Chris Walker, excuse me, um, Taiwan Walker will pick things up in this upcoming start against the Houston Astros because if we all remember, he has gotten most of his starts against the Astros, and he loves pitching against the Astros. He got his first major league win against them, and he and this Astros team strikes out a lot, which means Walker can mix in a lot of his pitches. He can mix a lot of those pitches. And, yes, I know that we missed the playoffs for one game, but, we, but again, two games. Give him two more games to figure it out. Or if he just completely blows it on Tuesday – then send him down. And it's the same with Paxton. Paxton has been equal, just almost as equally bad. And I think Hap could be this year's Chris, Chris Young. And I believe that, you know, J.A. Hap, he's, he's going to win his fair share of games with the Mariners. He will. Because he is a fly ball. Or, <clears throat> excuse me. I actually got a little messed up there. Uh, he is a fly ball pitcher which works perfectly with um, Safeco Field. 
moving on to uh, the other night's game in on Saturday with King Felix on the mound, Felix Hernandez dominates and becomes the king, and we do have Daniel on the phone. He is uh, joining us now. Uh, let me go ahead and unmute. Or Daniel, how are we doing tonight? Good. How are you, Mike? Oh, pretty good. Seeing as how the Mariners uh, finished off perhaps the game of the year this year in an eleven to ten victory. Yeah, that was a really good game. I'm pretty happy they took the series in the Rangers. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are. Um, right now, I am on. Uh, I just went through basically the whole week, but uh, I'll. I'll I'll ask you about the la- this whole week right after I get done with these last two games. But right now I'm on Felix Hernandez's seven-inning uh, performance the other night. Twelve strikeouts, one earned run, two hits. Basically it was opening day all over again. And But I'm so happy that the Mariners, they finally, t- they, they finally tee off on a, on a pitcher. Uh, they tee off on Colby Lewis, get ten hits. But the only bad part was is that the Mariners – in my opinion, we're very lucky to win this game only because they hit were 1 for 11 with runners in scoring position. And usually when you um usually when you do that, you are not usually going to win a game, but thankfully the Mariners were able to pull out uh the win and especially when uh and especially, they, they led 2-1 to one thanks to Mike Zanino. And uh, Brad Miller got an RBI triple, which also helped out. And let me go ahead and pull up uh, Mike Zanino's first home run of the season, which, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> which actually put the Mariners in the lead, and here it is. And first off, all audio that we get, or excuse me, that I get, is courtesy of Root Sports, the Seattle Mariners, and Major League Baseball. Um, I don't want to get fined or anything or get... Uh, hit with a copyright infringement, so that's the one thing. So here it is, Mike Zanino's first home run of the season. Look, at, he's giving up. Look, oh, oh you Right there, Mike Zanino hit a long, and I mean a long, home run. Um, Dan, your take on both Felix's performance the other night and, of course, Mike Zanino finally getting that first home run of the season. Um, On Felix, I really, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen by him. It was probably as good as that game where he had 15 Ks against Tampa last year in Tampa. And I think... He is really putting himself in a good lead to be the Cy Young winner this year. I mean, he pitched a great game on seven innings, only gave up two hits, two walks, 12 strikeouts. I mean, that's what you think you get from the King, and that's what he delivered. And Mike Zanino, it's pretty nice to see him finally hit the long ball. I mean, he hit around 20 home runs last year, and I think he can hit around 25 this year. And hopefully he can start making contact like he did in spring training and cut down on the Ks. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's the big, big thing that the 
Mariners really need him to do is definitely cut down on those Ks. So moving on to today's game, which again was in dramatic fashion. The Mariners went 11-10. to Both teams combined for 21 runs and 13 hits, two errors, all the errors coming via the Mariners. But today we saw another example of our young pitchers just getting hammered and James Paxton going only two and two-thirds of innings, um, giving up nine hits, seven runs. Two of them were only earned. That's the bad part. Two of them were only earned. And the bad part about this is that the Mariners, or excuse me, that inning that the Mariners gave up seven runs, it was in thanks to James Paxton. It actually got started with James Paxton taking that unathletic uh, type of play and not allowing Robinson Cano to uh, get the weak round ball to possibly throw out uh, Martin. And thankfully, we do not have to see Martin for a while. But uh, Nelson Cruz, I mean, what a performance he put in today. Three for six, five RBIs. Kyle Seeger, three for five, three RBIs. But our three, four, and five hitters today were un freaking believable. Let me go ahead and pull up the stats really quick. Um, this team was this team put on a performance to remember and especially today because they showed all their fans of how special this team really is. I was saying it right when we were down um, right when we were down 10 to 5 that this Mariners team is going to come back and win it. And the Mariners 3-4-5 hitters today combined to go 9 for 15, 4 runs scored, 2 walks, and 9 RBIs. But let me go ahead and give Austin Jackson a little shout-out. Here's the highlight from the first Mariner run of the ball game. And, of course, uh, about a, a, a two outs later, you know, this goes this goes ahead and happen. And, of course, everyone's getting very excited. So the Mariners jump out to an early 2-0 lead. And again, in the top of the third inning, the Rangers get seven runs. And then later in that, and then in the bottom of the third inning, the Mariners actually start a comeback. They actually got some hits, and with one out and two on, boomstick once again. So there you go, Nelson Cruz with his second home run of the game. Um, following his next uh, three at-bats, he would not get a hit. But, of course, in the bottom half 
In the bottom half of the 7th, 8th, and ninth, the Mariners just totally come back. The Rangers scored three more in the top of the, th- top of the sixth inning, uh, thanks to in part by some uh, not-so-good Tyler Olsen pitching. But I'm not going to put everything on Tyler Olsen. He, de- he actually did very well today. But the Mariners do come back and tie this game up. And let me go ahead and pull up the... Um, let me go ahead and see if I can find it real quick. And uh, right, here we go. Here's uh, Here comes Kyle Seeger's... Uh, let me go... Uh, this thing is just being a pain right now. All right, so here we go. With the bases loaded, two outs in the bottom of the eighth, Kyle Seeger, 3-2 count. in the bottom of the ninth where the Mariners have been and here's the thing, the Mariners have struggled so much against Natali Feliz I am so freaking thankful that the Mariners finally got their first official first official run off of him thanks to in part by Austin Jackson finished in that inning. The Mariners battled so much today, fought so hard, and I thought it was so it was so anticlimactic that the man who hit two home runs in the game and who drove in four runs deserved to win it all for the Mariners. week Mariners win 11 to 10 all right Dan it is time for your take on everything first off let's go ahead and start with this win by the Mariners 11 to 10 just how incredible was this comeback that was definitely one of the best comeback games I've ever watched I started watching it probably about bottom of the eighth and they started and then they came into the ninth and I think they were down 10 to 9, and I, I just like you, I was confident they were going to do something. And they did, and Nelson Cruz just was amazing the game today. I mean, he he's doing the same thing he did for Baltimore last year. He's just producing in the middle of the lineup as a cleanup hitter. And he did today. The whole th- the 3 4 5 guys did what they're being paid to do. 
Austin Jackson continues his pretty nice season so far. This team is looking really good after these last two wins, and I think this game just boosted their confidence, and now they're 5-7, and seven, only two games away from 500. And I think the best team in the division right now is actually the Ash. Yeah, the Astros are six and six, so they're they're basically in second place, third place. I mean, Oakland six and seven, Anaheim's five and seven, and Texas is five and eight. I mean, they're right back in there again, and I think they're about to go on a hot stretch at home. Yeah, I mean, first off, big. T- if the Mariners can hit five wins, or excuse me, six wins, six wins in the homestand, I will be happy. I think a lot of people are asking for that. And our, one of our guests saying that, you know, saying uh, that Austin Jackson isn't having a good season. Look, here's the thing. Austin Jackson is having a great season. He's batting 277. If you have not been watching his at-bats, then just – just leave this conversation because Austin Jackson has been having a terrific season so far. Again, he's batting 277. What more do you want from the man? Seriously. I mean, for, uh, you, you saw what he did today. He 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 works a in a nine pitch at bat to tie up the ball game. Then he he's he's done so well this season. He's done a lot better than last season. I mean, last season he did not even hit 277 with this team. So if you want to say that Austin Jackson is not having a good season, be my guess. But if you're not paying attention to his at-bats, then I do, you, you, you really do need to watch this. You really need to watch this team, okay? Because, again, Austin Jackson is, Austin Jackson is having a good season. His at-bats are proving it. But getting on to... This past week, Dan, I mean, what was your take about this sweep, the sweep in Los Angeles? I mean, a lot of us were very frustrated, especially in game two where Fernando Rodney blew the save. That was an extremely disappointing series. I mean, they should have won all three of those games, especially the game against David Huff. I mean, he, he was a spot starter, and he hasn't had that much success in the major leagues. And the fact that they blew that game was just unbelievable. I mean, Fernando Rodney, you'll you'll get your uh, you'll get your blown saves and you'll get your good saves from him, but to get blown saves this early on in the season is just not good. And they they should have swept the Dodgers, but they didn't. And hopefully they can move on from those mistakes. And hopefully that was like a lesson that just shocked them right in the eyes, and they could just realize, hey, we're better than this. We we should be winning ball games. We shouldn't be losing the teams like the Dodgers and teams like the Rangers and A's, we, we should be up there with all these other World Series caliber teams. Because they are a World Series caliber team, and I'm not just being a homer. No, no, no. I, I'm not I'm not even saying you're being a homer. Uh, we are into our first half of the break. Uh, this song that is going to be played during the during the uh, break, don't, please don't get me on it. I lost a bet, especially during the LA uh, Series, so I do have to play it. So we will take a quick short break. And we'll be right back. Rolling down. Girl, highway. 
Welcome back here to Mariner's Talk. Of course, that was I Love L.A. by Randy Newman. And again, please don't crucify me on that. I lost a bet to my fiance, who is a Dodgers fan, but she is a Mariner's fan as well. So I did have to play something Los Angeles. She said I had to play something Los Angeles if I lost the bet. So there you have it. So again, I did not like the fact that I had to play it, but I am a man of my word, so I will... um, so I will follow through with a bet. And we do have a little bit of debate, a debate here on the on the podcast, on the chat line, about, about saying about talking about Austin Jackson. And first off, I want, I want to know who all my guests are. You know, give give us your names. I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna call you out. We're not gonna call you an idiot. By the way, we're just gonna we just want to discuss this. But the, the the topic is Austin Jackson. And look, here's the thing. Here's my take on Austin Jackson. 277, okay? I know it's not as good as Mike Trout. I know it's not as good as Mike Trout, but for us Mariner fans, I will take it because Austin Jackson is having way better at-bats than he did last year. For one thing, he hit a leadoff home run today, so you got to be thankful for that. (coughs) And... He has a way I think he has way more plate discipline than last year. 
Dan, what I mean, what's your take on Austin Jackson? Oh, I, I'm the same thing with you. I hate all these people bashing him. And he he came out today. He hit. I, I think he's been one of the positive of the positives of this lineup, along with Dustin Ackley and Dustin Cruz. He is definitely doing a lot more than he did last year for this Mariners team. He he's producing at the top of the lineup. He's better than what we've had the last few seasons at that leadoff spot since he's real left. Yeah, I mean, look again. We're not gonna. We're not going to. First off, to everyone who does say that Austin Jackson's, I was one of the first people to say, "Oh, Austin Jackson stinks." I take it back. I am. I. I. I'm. I'm a. I'm kind of like one of those bandwagon fans. I'm not going to say I am a bandwagon fan, but I am one of those bandwagon fans that say this player sucks, and then I will go back to saying I believed in him all season long. But again, that's not a bandwagon fan. That's just being a complete dick. But first off, I'm very I'm I'm just happy with the with how well Austin Jackson has been making good bait appearances, and that's the one important thing that really has defined Austin Jackson's season this year is his plate appearances and how good he has been at the plate. Zanino is not first off. Guess number eight say so is Zanino. Is amazing too. No, he's not. He's not okay. Zanino has been terrible at the plate. He, Zanino is once again still impatient. He has struck out 17 times. And here's the thing: Ricky Weeks is the same way. I'm happy that Ricky Weeks got that home run in Oakland, but I'm not happy with the way that they have been making plate appearances. They've been having terrible plate appearances. But Mike Zanino, I just, I really wish that Mike Zanino could find that type of confidence in his swing and in his and in his ability to, you know, to give us, you know, decent at bats or at least get himself up to that 250 mark. If if Mike Zanino is would hit 250 this year with 25 home runs and. I'll say 75-plus RBIs, I'll be a happy Mariners fan. I'm going to just say that. I'm going to be a happy Mariners fan. Dan, your take. I would be happy with 240, 27, 25 home runs. I mean, I think it would be a huge stretch for him to hit 250 or above. I mean, right now he's hitting worse than he did last year, and I know a lot of baseball players have slow starts in April, but his play – his play appearance, his play discipline has been as bad as it was last year. Swinging at balls in the dirt, he, he just needs to learn how to take account. I mean, you would think someone could help him with that, like Howard Johnson or Dan Wilson could help him on his play. I mean, I know Dan Wilson's helping the catchers on their defense at least. I know about that. But come on, you got to help this guy with the bat. I mean, I know he was rushed, but he's in, he's in his mid twenties now, and he needs to start producing this play. I've heard a lot about how. John Hicks is going to get called up, and I would not like to see Zanino get called down. But if he has to, maybe I'd agree with it because he needs to work on his bat because he is one of the only – his bat is bringing this team down. It is. I do agree. And But I will, I will go ahead and say this, okay? Um, the Mariners have 12 hitters who have a non-zero batting average, okay? And out of eight of those twelve, all of 
8 out of 12 have at least a higher batting average than 230. Okay, Dustin Ackley is hitting 233, so he's above that. But here's my problem with uh, the players in this batting in this batting averages. First of all, Dustin Ackley is batting this low because, for one thing, and Dan, and I'm hoping you're going to agree with me, agree with me, but the fact that Lloyd McClendon continues this bullshit about platooning these outfielders and swi- and doing this matchup lineup, it's just getting on my nerves because, for one thing, Dustin Ackley was a hot hitter before today. Let me let me go, let me go ahead and re- uh, before the homestand. Ackley was batting 316, okay? But he started every game except the last two in L.A., and he only had one at bat thanks to just a pinch hit. But ever since then, he has he only has one hit. So here's the thing. I really want Lloyd – I really want to believe in Lloyd McClendon and his ability to give us a good lineup – but I just want him to stop platooning these outfielders. If you're going to platoon anybody, platoon Justin Ruggiano and Seth Smith together. Don't platoon Dustin Ackley. Because if you're going to keep doing that, you're going to ruin this guy's rhythm. And so far, uh, it, look, it may look like Ackley's rhythm has been lost. Again, his batting average has sunk a little low. But, again, you know, it's the fact that Lloyd continues to you know, keep doing this, I call it micromanaging. I call it micromanaging, but, you know, Dan, I want your take. I mean, what's your take on the on just the way that Lloyd puts these lineups together and the fact that he's platooning Ackley, Seth Smith, and Justin Ruggiano now? I definitely agree with you. He should not platoon Ackley and Weeks. I'm sick of Weeks getting all these starts in the line, especially – against left-handed pitchers where he puts weeks at the top of Jackson. Don't move Jackson. I mean, when he moves Jackson, his batting average starts to drop. Jackson belongs in the leadoff spot, and don't move him. I'm sick of him moving him around. And then he puts weeks up there, and weeks has been 179. He's had plenty of play appearances this year. He's not producing, and he doesn't deserve to be an everyday at bat. Stop putting him with Ackley. The only platoon that should be in this outfield it's Seth Smith and Justin Ruggiano. And, I mean, Ackley needs to play every day. They drafted him the second pick, and he was expect, he's expected to play every day. And he was hitting hot playing every day, and then you take him out of the lineup. He loses that bat, and he loses getting adjusted to the ball. And now he's back at 233, and he's sinking again, and that's not what we want. And then... Weeks is still playing. I mean, he DH today for I don't know how many times this year with Nelson Cruz in right field. And Nelson Cruz is supposed to DH more. Weeks needs to stop getting as many at bats before he gives him. I have no idea what Lloyd McClendon likes so much about Ricky Weeks. I just don't see it. No, I, I, I fully agree with you. For one thing, look, again, I was happy when Ricky Weeks gave us that pinch hit three-run home run. And here's the thing. I was the first to say... I'm happy that Lloyd proved me wrong. But I think Lloyd McLennan needs to wake up, smell the coffee, and realize and realize this. Hey, I, this is not a good decision that I'm making. And the fact that I keep putting weeks, you know, in the number two spot when he's batting, you know, one, 
179. And in his 28 at-bats, he's and here's the thing, he's had some terrible at-bats. Terrible at-bats. But, you know, let me, let me go ahead and look at some of the individual stats down in Tacoma. First off, Franklin Gutierrez, he's actually doing really well. All right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put him as one of those players that may get a, a shot at getting called up, but he is batting 385 with two home runs and eight RBIs. Um, Jesus Montero has actually been tearing the cover off the ball, but I am not a fan of bringing him up though. Never will be. I don't. I have a very bad feeling about bringing him up, only because. I'm a little worried about him not producing. That's the only thing that I'm worried about. Um, uh, James Jones is actually batting 304, uh, so he's actually he's actually doing pretty good up there. But again, the guy who is re- uh, well, actually, he only had one start. But um, Dan, you were talking about John Hicks. Let me go ahead and pl- this is John Hicks's stats. He's batting 179 up there in Tacoma with. Only five hits in his first 28 at-bats. So not a good stat line for him. But on another positive note, let's go ahead and look at Stefan Romero, who's batting 281, uh, six RBIs, no home runs, but uh, not, not a bad line for the first seven games. Um, but looking at what we have, again, I will say this. Stop platooning Ackley. Just platoon Ruggiano and Seth Smith. Those are the only players you need to platoon because, um, first off, I, I don't agree with the fact that, again, Lloyd does this. And I do believe that uh, we have Gary Hill on the line. Gary, is that you? It is. Here I am. Oh, are we doing, how are we doing tonight, Gary? Well, <laughs> pretty good. After what was a wild weekend, uh, certainly at Safeco Field, but a fun weekend. Uh, definitely. Uh, by the way, by the way, to anyone listening, uh, Gary Hill is a um, is a representative of 710 ESPN, and uh, he does do his own Mariners podcast, which you can actually download on iTunes whenever you uh, want to uh, listen to those. But Dan, we're talking about the fact that Lloyd McClendon uh, does these little you know matchup lineups. We've we said that we're we're getting a little tired of it, especially when we see Ricky Weeks in the number two spot when. You know, Weeks is batting very batting at a low 179, and we want to see him stop. You know, platooning Dustin Ackley and just platooning both Ruggiano and Seth Smith. I want your take on that, real quick. Gary, oh, uh, Gary? sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah, no, here I am. Sorry, here I am. Uh, it's a you know, it's interesting. I I actually like. Uh, I like platoons in that, you know, you're just looking for matchup advantages. And if you have an opportunity, Seth Smith is a perfect example because he just hammers righties and Ruggiano hits lefties. It's it's a great platoon. I think as we see Ackley progress through the season, I think we'll see him in the lineup more often than not. Uh, I think that may change. It's hard to get a read on things, I think, early on in the season because I think even Lloyd McClendon is still feeling out his team I think he's putting guys in different situations, batting guys in different parts of the lineup, and platooning guys at this point. I I still think he's feeling things out. And I, I don't think we'll see us – I don't know if we'll ever see any really set platoons. I think he'll, uh, as the season progresses, I think he'll ride a hot hand, for example. I think if, if a guy's hitting well like Ackley later in the season, I think he will play more often against lefties. 
I just think he, he's using the entire bench at this point to try and get lineup advantages, but also using everybody and and, uh, and feeling things out. I think we're still in that stage with this team. So, I don't know. We'll see how it develops, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you make a fair point, Gary. Um, we're also talking about the fact we, we were – a lot of people were we were discussing this, um, but a lot of people are saying, you know, of how Austin Jackson is not really type the leadoff hitter that we'd have hoped for. But for one thing, I'm happy with Austin Jackson right now because a 277, it's way better than what he batted last year. And the fact that he has made amazing and great plate appearances, especially today with that nine-pitch uh, game-tying RBI single, you know, the fact that Austin Jackson is batting 277 is what really does impress impresses, has impressed me, excuse me, but what impresses me the most about him is his plate appearances and how more disciplined he has been up at the plate. Uh, what's your take on Austin Jackson and his uh, plate appearances? Well, today was he was fantastic. I mean, he reached base four times. He showed off the power with the home run and. You know, when you're at the top of this lineup, getting on base is going to be so key. I mean, he's a he's a real important guy for this team because they don't really have any other options in center field, and they don't have many obvious options to lead off. They don't have a, a prototypical leadoff guy. When you look at this middle of a lineup with Cano, with Cruz, with Seager, I mean, they. I think you can put those three up with just about anyone else in baseball right now in terms of a middle of the order. If you can get some consistency in terms of getting on base from the top two, you're going to get a lot of production, and you're going to score a lot of runs. So I think you pinpointed one of the key guys moving forward because I think, I think we saw what this lineup can do today when you have guys reaching base and when you can stretch out the lineup and get great at-bats throughout the lineup is – the middle of the order will produce. I mean, they were epic today. The numbers were off the charts. What, 9 for 14 with the middle of the order today with 9 RBIs, I think? A couple of home runs, throwing a few runs scored. If you can, if you can get Jackson to be consistent and reach base, <laughs> watch out because this team is going to score runs consistently. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I mean, it was a sight to see today, especially – and here's, here's of course, the uh, – Basically, a, a, a real stat for you, Gary, but uh, 1-0 in the cream color jerseys. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Man, I, I don't know. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, too. I love that look. I love vintage looks, and I I, I look so great. I I like the way I like the way it looks, and, and uh, they played well in them, too, so I guess that helps, right? Yeah, I do. And, and Gary, here's, here's an interesting fact. First off, um, well, first off, I do want to put out this, but the Mariners finally re-followed me again today on Twitter. They unfollowed me for a bit. But um, when they unveiled the cream-colored jerseys, the day before I was saying, please no cream colors. And then, of course, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I love these jerseys. And, of course, um, I, I will try and find the link for you, Gary, but the Mariners actually called me out on it and, say, uh. and they were I thought you weren't a fan of the cream-colored jersey, but I am. Yeah, no, I think they look real sharp. And something about them, the sunlight, too, they just really, the royal blue, to me, really pops. And the vintage with uh, no names on the back, and the socks are epic. Those are great. The royal with the the gold. I I just really, I'm a fan of the look. I'm a fan of the look. I am, too. I, I really am. But, um, 
uh, first off, uh, la- last year, Gary, I don't, um, I believe I had this correct, but I believe the Mariners won 19 games in the teal jerseys, um, and I think they only lost six. But of course, this year they're one, they're 0 and 1 in the teal jerseys. But I do want to get your take on this, um, Taiwan Walker and James Paxson. First off, Paxson has given us two quality starts, but in those quality starts, he has given up. He has given up. Um, he's given up numerous. Run- he's given up so many runs, especially in Los Angeles. Uh, bad break for the Mariners there because he did go six and a third. But again, bad break for the Mariners. But then today he goes out and gives up seven runs. Only um, only two of them earned. But of course, Paxton. You know he's been getting hit around too. I mean, what fans want to know this? How long? Do are we going to wait around until we say we say enough is enough? Either Rowanis Elias has to be brought up, or and another pitcher, and both Taiwan Walker and James Paxton need it, a little bit of time in Tacoma. That's a good question. Uh, first of all, I think Elias is going to have to uh, pitch well too. I mean, he could force the issue and make his case as well. Uh, it's a really good question because the expectations for Paxton and Walker are pretty high. There's no doubt about it. They've gotten really good turns from Felix. They've gotten really good turns from Jay Happ. But the starting rotation has got to be better. It's supposed to be a strength of this team. And if they're going to do what we all think they can do, they've got to pitch well in the rotation. And coming into today, I mean, their ERA was, I think, third worst in terms of starters in baseball. And Paxson has been uneven. Walker has struggled. Iwakuma has struggled as well. I mean, I still uh, have complete faith in Iwakuma. His track record has been there. So it's up to the young guys, I think, Walker and Paxson. How long do you go? That's a great question. It depends, I think, on your other options at hand. And it depends on how Elias is pitching in Tacoma. He's been a little bit rocky so far. Uh, Paxson today, it's interesting when you break down what he did, because was, the beginning of that third inning was a little fluky in the bunt base hit, and then you had a couple, you know, fielders hit RBI, was just a bounding ball to the right side that got through, and then the Bloomquist error didn't help, obviously, and then the Beltre were, you know, fall <laughs> like a like one of those rubber balls where it hit the ground and just popped up in the air and, you know, it didn't figure it once he got it, didn't have enough time to make a play. But then the inning, the wheels came off. He gave up a line drive. He gave up a home run. At that point, you got to find a way to just limit the damage, and he didn't do it. So a little fluky in that regard, but I don't think we saw the same zip on the fastball we saw last year. And Maybe that's a case of hey, he, he was out of spring training for two, three weeks, and maybe he's just a couple of weeks behind everyone else. We'll see. But, you know, if Elias has an out of there, a good outing or two, Walker or Paxton, they're both going to have to – they're both going to have to pitch well the next couple of times out because they, the Mariners just can't go long stretches with this many guys struggling in the rotation because it begins to affect the bullpen too. If those guys start pitching long innings, we saw it today. They did a great job. But, you know, they're going to be taxed for tomorrow too. It becomes a domino situation. And you don't want that, obviously. No, you, you certainly do not want that. Um, uh, we are going into our final segment of the night where we where we do discuss the upcoming week for the Mariners. So we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, me, Dan, and Gary will get into both the 
the upcoming week for the Mariners. And uh, so we will take a quick short break and be right back. back here on Mariners Talk for everyone who is a fan of the show. That was, of course, the Game of Thrones uh, opening segment. Of course, a new episode of Game of Thrones is on tonight on HBO. Fortunately, I will not be watching that. i got to wait till, um till someone downloads it tomorrow. But for all of those who are watching tonight, I'm very jealous of you. Um, Gary, are you actually a fan of the show? I've never seen it. How about that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you are kidding me, Gary. No, no. There, I miss wide swaths of popularity, and I usually catch up uh, years after the fact. It's usually how, how it works for whatever reason. I don't know why. It just it's the way things work with me. Well, I mean, well, I mean, heck, you can still get caught up on the series. I mean, it's a great series. Um, possibly one of my favorite television shows on television, besides both the Walking Dead series and Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was one of my favorite ones, but uh, this one is by far one of my more favorite ones. Uh, Dan, what about you? Are you a Game of Thrones fan? Um, I watched the first season, and I thought it was a little bit gross and not enough action, so I, I stopped watching it. But my friends are telling me to start getting into it again, so eventually I'll probably start watching it again. I like that type of stuff. I like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. It's the same, it's the same type of thing, you dingling. Oh, my <laughs> I mean, if it's actually all right, hang on. I know this is a marriage show, but uh, Gary, I got to uh, let me let me point this out, okay? Lord okay. of the Rings is is like a medieval type movie, right? Uh huh. That's the same thing with Game of Thrones is, Dan. Come on now. No, but I, I'm not gonna say it on the show because it's like inappropriate. But you, you remember the relationship in the beginning of the show with the young girl and her older brother, or cousin, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was like four hours of that for four straight episodes. And I was like, what the heck am I watching? <laughs> I, first 20 minutes when we're in the woods of the first episode was like the only action I saw. 
And I was like, okay, this is weird, and I haven't watched the show since. Well, <laughs> um, first off, we do have a, a guest that gave us a link to uh, watch the show, so I'll definitely be uh, taking a look at that. But uh, let's go ahead and get back on to the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, uh, the upcoming week for the Mariners. Uh, of course, the Mariners, they have a three-game series with the Houston Astros coming up. And, Gary, first off, the Astros seem to be the Mariners' Achilles' heel all the time. For one, and um, we've got Hisashi Iwakuma going tomorrow. Then we have Taiwan Walker in game two. And then, of course, we have Jay Happ in the series finale. What do the Mariners need to do to possibly walk away with two games from the Astros or even a sweep? Because... Again, like I said, this, the Astros seem to always be the Mariners' Achilles' heel for some reason. Yeah, so they they did their job in the first series. They took two or three against the Rangers, so that's a great start. And now it's about taking the next series, taking two or three again against the Astros. And what I'll be watching closely is the starting rotation. You have Iwakuma going, looking for a bounce back. You have Walker, who's trying to turn things around. And then you have Jay Happ, who's been – Excellent so far. I think Safeco Field's going to fit half perfectly. I'm pretty confident in Happ and his ability and his skill set in Safeco Field. But to me, starting pitching is uh, what I'll be watching most closely. I-, I have a lot of confidence in what this offense can be as well, especially we haven't seen the best of Cano yet. We haven't seen the best of Seager yet. Nelson Cruz is playing in some different distant world right now. <laughs> We'd all love to visit. He is just in another place. But when they get the middle of the lineup cranked up, they're going to score runs. They've got to get that starting pitching. So that's what I'll be watching closely. I think that's going to be the key. Against an Astros team that can be dangerous offensively, they can play long ball, but they'll strike out a ton. So if the Mariners can execute their pitching, uh, they, should be, uh, they should be able to pitch well, have good success against the Astros. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a good point, Gary. Uh, first off, Altuve, our 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 guest aide has actually pointed out, but Altuve just seems to be one of those, again, one of the Mar- one of the one of those Mariner killers, especially yeah. like uh, Howie Kendrick. I'm I'm sorry I'm bringing it up; it all gives us a headache just thinking about it. But I mean, first off, I want to tell you, I want to ask you this. I mean, with Taiwan Walker going on the mound, I believe for the sixth time against the Astros, am I correct? I know it seems like every other start is against Houston with Walker on the mound. Yeah, but Walker seems to do very well against the Astros. I mean, he's only gotten roughed up, I believe, maybe twice, I believe, against them. But, I mean, what is your, what is the key that Walker needs to go out on Tuesday and show and prove to not, a, not just Lloyd McClendon, but, the, but, you know, all the doubters out there that he deserves, that he, of why he deserved that spot in the rotation? What does he have to do? I mean, first off, I know it. I, I know the first key's got to be to locate his pitches. Yeah, I mean, that, to me, that's the number one key. Mike Zanino was actually talking about that too, about Taiwan Walker, and the key for him is to uh, fastball command. I mean, that's what it comes down to. His fastball is electric, and it, it's good enough where you know if he misses, uh, he can get away with it at times. But that fastball command, when he is good, like Toronto last year, think about that start when he dominated the Blue Jays. What he was doing in spring training, he was locating his fastball. And that is such the key to a start. His velocity was a touchdown uh, from his last 
start comparing it to the last start of last season. So uh, I'll be watching that. But you know, if he can locate, especially against the Astros, if you can locate your pitches, you can have success against them. But on the flip side, if he doesn't have that command, if he makes mistakes, the Astros can really punish you. They have some guys that are struggling, Carter, for example, but they can hit the ball a mile. So if you miss your spots, they're going to make you pay. So fastball command is the first, second, and third key, I think, to Tylon Walker in his next start. Yeah, I agree. Um, Dan, your take on, you know, what me what we've just been discussing about Tywan Walker. And, again, the key in winning his first game of the season, and, and not just winning it, but, you know, pitching on the level that shows people of how deserving he was of this uh of the, third, of the fourth spot in the rotation. Yeah, he's got a commanded fastball and change his speeds with that nice – try to get that change up he had in spring training because if he changes speeds really well, he'll get those Astros hitters to strike out, and that's the key to him. He has to have great command of that fastball and change up speeds with that change up in that fastball in order to make the Astros swing and miss and not, give, not get him prone to the long ball. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before we move on to the twin series, Gary, uh, the, again, the first game of the season uh, tomorrow uh, is uh, the Mariners' second try in the teal jerseys. First off, I always like to note that. But um, Hisashi Iwakuma is going on the mound, and Kuma has been struggling mightily this season. And what 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 does he have to do tomorrow to you know get one of the one of those uh, you know, six to seven inning performances like we usually are very familiar with Kuma. I mean, right now he's only thrown 11 innings and two starts, a 6.55 ERA, and a uh, and an 0-1 record. So what does he have to do to get to that old Kuma level to where he goes six or seven innings and he strikes out, you know, seven to ten guys. Seven to ten guys. Yeah, I think he's going to have to keep the ball down first of all. And I think if he keeps the ball down, the Astros won't be able to hurt him. Uh, if he elevates, then he'll he'll get hurt by him. I have some real sluggers. Altuve can be a problem. Obviously, he's he's a really good hitter. But I think that that's the key is to get ahead and just put him away with the splitter. Just bury it in the dirt. Make him chase it. I think the matchup's pretty good against Houston. I'm, I feel pretty good about the start for Iwakuma. I think this is going to be a nice bounce back. We'll see, but I think it's going to be a nice bounce back for him. Get ahead, finish him off with a splitter, and just keep the ball down. I think that's what we're looking at for, me, for Iwakuma in this start. Yeah, definitely. Uh, noting Kuma's record against the Astros, he's a four, he has a 4-4 four four record, 3.48 ERA in nine games, 54 and a third of an inning pitched. He has 63 strikeouts, so that's a good sign. Again, like Gary just said, this Astro team will strike out a ton. There is no doubt in my mind that Kuma and the rest of this Mariners pitching staff can get um, can get a lot of strikeouts with this team. And like he said, if the Mariners can keep the ball down and not make any mistakes to where they put they they you know, leave a pitch up in the zone to one of these dangerous hitters for the uh, Astros, I do believe the Mariners are going to be fine. I do believe the Mariners can take um, at least, um, 
let me go ahead and say I'm, I'm going to go say, and say they do get a sweep. Looking at Taiwan Walker's stats though against the Astros, Gary, I actually was wrong by I was actually off by two games. Um, Walker has a three and zero record against the Astros, a two point nine one ERA in four starts in four games started, uh, twenty one and two thirds of an innings. He has given up twenty hits, but he has struck out twenty three. So again, this Astros team it strikes out a lot, but I do believe that this is the team that Ty needs to get his mojo back. I do believe it. Um, hey, man, yeah, Go ahead. Uh, just quickly, too, the other thing to keep in mind, the Astros right now in first place in the ALS with a 6-6 six and six record. So, <laughs> so there you go. And just, I'm, I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry, Gary, but that just shows you how bad the ALS is right now. It's all. It, I think it's going to be a, an incredibly competitive division throughout the season. No team's gotten off to a great start, which, for from the Mariners' perspective, is great. You know, they they haven't racked up as many wins as they would have liked so far, but no one has run away with anything early in the season. So that's good for the M's. That is definitely good for the M's. Um, moving on to the uh, Minnesota Twins series. So the Minnesota Twins are right now five and seven they do not have a good hitting uh, team right now the highest hitting player on the team that has more than 10 at bats i will say that has more than 10 at bats um is uh let me go ahead and pull his uh, name up i can't see with the abbreviation is shane robinson he does have a 368 but the guy who does have the highest batting average that is played in basically who has played in every game is joe mauer who does kill us every time. His high, his batting average is sitting at a 273 batting average. The rest of the team from going down, down Torrey Hunter is batting 225. Uh, Arcia, Arcia is batting 214. Plouffe is batting 205. Both Dozier, Suzuki, and Vargas are batting 200. Santana is batting at a 195. Escobar at a 160. And Schaefer is batting at a 143. So this team is kind of like the Texas Rangers. Uh, Gary, I, I'm making that I'm making that comparison because if you look at the Rangers lineup and the and the Twins lineup, it's basically the same because you don't see a guy that has a batting average um that is higher than 250 except for maybe one or two guys. Yeah, they they've really struggled out of the gate. So part of it has been the pitching they've faced too. They've they've had some tough matchups along the way. They got a nice win today against Cleveland, so they've moved to what five and seven on the season so far. They have some capable guys. Dozier at the top, uh he had a really nice year last year. And you know, Hunter is a professional hitter batting second. Maurer has struggled with injuries. Vargas is a young guy who's got a lot of pop. Ploof is better than He's played so far. There's, they have some capable guys that can hurt you if you don't hit your spots. I think where they're going to struggle long-term is rotation. They just don't have a lot of arms at this point. And I think uh, I think the Mariners can take advantage of that next series. I think they have a chance to score some runs. The, the Twins are tough if you go into the ninth inning and trailing because Perkins, I think, is very underrated closer and usually slams the door, but you can get to the rotation. You can get to the guys in the middle and their bullpen. I think the Twins have a chance to – they'll get it going a little bit offensively. They're not going to be a juggernaut or anything offensively this year, but uh, I think the Mariners have a chance to get to that rotation. Yeah, I do too. Um, Felix Hernandez takes the mound for the first game. 
his record against Minnesota Lifetime is 7-5 and five with a 2.08 ERA in 16 games. Um, he has pitched a complete game shutout against them uh, once. He has gone 102 and a third of an inning with 101 strikeouts. And, of course, that's that, that's the typical Felix we'll see. Um, the next game we will see James Paxton. Let me go ahead and pull up his stats. Uh, I do not. I don't even believe he has a has ever faced the Twins. Uh, Gary, has he ever faced the Twins? I don't believe so. I can't recall though, off the top of my head. Uh, uh, thankfully, thankfully, I do have his uh, Baseball Reference page. So uh, nice. yeah, he, he has he has never faced the Twins. So this will be the first time that he is facing them. Um, and then, of course, the following night, Hisashi Iwakuma will face uh, the Twins for the final game. But um, Dan, for, for for this upcoming week, I want your take and uh, and or Gary, sorry, Dan, I'll get to you in a sec. I'm sorry, but um, Gary, I want your take on your on your five players that are going to make an impact on the Mariners for this week for them to get either five or actually even maybe win all six games? Oh, that's a great question. Five guys. I think Kyle Seager's won. I think uh, it was this time last year. I think we're just a couple days away from, remember that home run he had against the Houston Astros after a slow start? And uh, that really got him going. It got the team going. I think he's got cranked up a little bit earlier this year. And we saw it today. You know, he had three hits in the ball game and three RBIs and some really, really clutch hitting. I think he's won. I think he's really going to start to roll. I think Robinson Cano is starting to pick it up too. So, you know, watch out if you're opposing pitchers because I think the middle of the order could have a, a really good week. So I think those are two guys right off the bat. Uh, I think Felix because, you know, he's the king and he's facing Minnesota. I don't remember his last start correctly against Minnesota, too. He really dominated at Safeco Field last time he saw them. So I would expect a good start for Kings Court next Friday, and that should be a, a great atmosphere as well. It's hard to beat when the King pitches at Safeco Field on a weekend. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that's three. Uh, that's a good question. Let me Give me Brad Miller as well. He had a big hit today. He's had a couple of nice ball games in a row. Had a triple the game before in the uh, win against Texas. And uh, how about uh, let me go Seth Smith. Oh, there we go. A little, a little surprise at the end. You know, he he is such an underrated guy to me. You watch watch his at bats closely. Like today, for example, he won't get talked about. Because he went zero for zero off the bench, but two walks, he scored two runs. Those were key at bats. Uh, forced uh, the pitch counts, uh, saw a lot of pitches. Just he's such a professional hitter, and a real difference maker compared to uh, guys they've had in that spot last year. They've had young guys, and you know when you have a veteran like that that's been around, it's just a good hitter, good quality hitter. So give me Seth Smith too in the five. All right, I like your five players. Dan, your five players to make an impact in a week. Okay, I, I would say number one will probably be in the first series will definitely be Tywin Walker. He, he's been really good against Houston in his career, and I think he's just going to continue. Number two, I would have to say I think James Paxton will do really well against the Twins. They got a lot of, a lot of their lineup is lefty hitters, Maurer, Arcia, 
they got a lot of lefties in that lineup, and lefty-lefty matchups, I'm expecting him to be pretty well on that. But I got to say, Cruz, he's going to continue to be hot-hitting, I think. He's, he was hot this whole series. He's been hot the last week, and I think that will continue. So that's three. I think Seager is going to start to hit up after heat up after today with the three RBIs. And then my my fifth guy has to be, I think Cano will heat up too. I mean, he had three, he was three, four today, two walks, one RBI. That's, those three, four, five guys are just going to start raking the ball. Yeah, I mean, if this was, if today was just a, you know, a small sample of what we can expect from the three, five hitters, three, four, five hitters. I mean, I just, I cannot wait to see a full week of what happens this time. Um, before we actually end the show, first off, I want to thank every one of our listeners and, of course, both of our callers, Dan and Gary Hill from 710 ESPN. You guys have been awesome. But first off, uh, both Gary and Dan, Gary, you're first. I want to ask you, what about this fan turnout that the Mares have had, you know, all these home games? Basically, they're averaging over 30,000 fans a game now. And a little surprised that there was only a little over 31,000 a but I love the fact that, you know, the Mares are actually bringing in the fans this year. They they have had more fans this year so far than they have than they did last year after the first six games. Fans have been fantastic. The atmospheres have been sensational. Oh boy, Felix the other night was fantastic. Fans were into the game. The crowd was was awesome. There were a ton of people there. I think because uh, I I still think big things are going to happen for the Mariners this year and. I think the crowds are going to grow and grow as we move through the season, especially as school gets out, the weather gets warmer. I think they're going to grow. I think the atmospheres are going to be great. I think we're going to have big numbers at the ballpark, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm expecting uh, I'm expecting a lot of people there at Safeco Field this year. Definitely. Uh, Dan, your take on, you know, the, the Mariners and the the turnout that they have had this year. I'm really happy that people are coming to games. I mean, I looked today when I was watching that game, and they had like a over the stadium camera, and the only spot I didn't see sold out was probably upper right field, and I, I was really happy because I, I want people to go to these games. I mean, this team has a chance to be good, best chance that we've had in a lot of years, and I mean, if I, I wish I could go to a game, and if I was, I would probably attend a lot. And this team needs the support. And as you see, they've been playing really good when they get the support. And I think with more fan support, they're just going to continue to do well because they need the fans and fans get into the game. And that makes them happy probably. And, yeah, the fans need to keep coming. And I think just like Gary said, when summertime comes, this stadium will have a lot more fans than it does right now, probably 35,000 to 40,000 attendances per night. Yeah, and first off, uh, Dan, first off, those right field seats, they are never, they are never, ever, they don't ever have a fan in that seat unless it's basically a sellout crowd. But, Gary, I will say this. I hope that you are attending Tuesday's game. Uh, I, I will not be there. That I will not, I'm off that night. I will not be there. Oh, Gary, the first game that I go to and you're not there. Oh, uh, well, it will happen at some point this year. Don't worry. It will. It will happen. Um, I do want to say this. I will. I hope to attend many games this year because just this past uh, weekend, I did actually finally get a job at working at Albertson. So that's 
good, so I'll finally be able to get a paycheck coming into where I can actually get tickets and actually attend as many games as I want. But first off, Dan, Gary, I really do appreciate you guys coming on the show. I always, I, I, I honestly love it when both of you guys come on the show. It's a blast to talk to both of you guys, talk Mariners, talk, you know, matchups that are coming up and talk about your favorites from everything. But before I get your thanks, Gary, I want to ask you, your play of the week this week. I want to know what your Mariner top top three plays of the week this week. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a great question. There are a lot of them, uh, especially – I mean, I you look at just the last two nights uh, alone. Let me uh, – my number one, I'll go three. Maybe not in any particular order, but but uh, here we go. I think uh, Felix, his 12th strikeout yesterday, a game where he wasn't 100%, a game where he talked his way back into the seventh inning, uh, knowing you know he wanted to stop the losing streak, wanted to get on the mound, and just the message that sends to the rest of the team. And, and then he goes out there and strikes out the side. So how about the 12th strikeout for Felix yesterday? Uh, how about uh, the game-winning single by Cruz today to win it, which is fantastic. And then... Uh, with the second home run for Cruz today as well, which is just symbolic of the kind of start he has had, which is just blistering. Yeah, and and here's and here's an ironic turn of event. Um, I I believe it was an inning beforehand, or no, it was after Nelson Cruz did get his first home run. But I was saying, I was I was saying sarcastically, but I said, do you think Nelson Cruz could actually hit a home run where there was runners on? And <laughs> sure enough, a couple innings later, he does it. Um, yeah. Dan, your top three plays for this week for the Mariners. I have to say the walk-off single today, probably the um, – trying to remember. Hold on. Let me look at this. <laughs> There's so many plays I like today. I, I wanted to say all truth home runs, but that's more than – that's like eight plays now. <laughs> but um, where is it? Oh, uh, Cano's two-run shot. I was happy to see him have some power, and that was one of his hits. Because he really struggled out of the gate, but he looks like he's getting hot. And probably I have to agree on Felix's uh, 12 strikeout. I mean, you could see him a couple of times in that game. You could see him, his quad, he's moving his foot a little bit like it was hurt. And like Gary said, gave all he could, even though he was hurt, and he just showed the team that he wants to take this team to the playoffs, and he's He's hungry for some October baseball. <laughs> he is, he is. And uh, before we do end this, I'm going to go ahead and say my number three top play of the week, um, I'm going to go ahead and say it was Nelson Cruz's second home run of the game. My, t- my second top play, of course, is the walk-off hit by Nelson Cruz. But, of course, the number one play, i got to go with King Felix's performance because how can you not um, – how can you how can you not um, – you know, have feel, not have Felix at number one, but I want to give an honorable mention as guest as our eighth or guest eight has said. But Rodney's bounce back save the other night. I'm going to go ahead and give that an honorable mention because I think a lot of us were getting on Rodney a lot, especially me. But I'm glad that he finally had a bounce back save. But uh, we are at the end of the podcast. We're actually uh, 25 minutes over the podcast, but that's all right. Um, again, both Dan and Gary. Thanks a lot for joining me on the show. Again, I love, I always love it when I have both you guys on the show. 
And I'm really happy that Gary could Gary that you could come back onto the show, you know, after uh, after just seeing the tweet at like uh, um, 40 minutes into the podcast, and you still come on it come on here and you give us 30 minutes over the podcast. I, I really do appreciate that. No, it was fun to be on. Great to be on. We'll do it again. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun day. That's for sure. <laughs> it definitely was, Dan. And thank you again to you too. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I love being on the show. <laughs> Oh, I, I I do too. So uh, for uh, me, Dan, and Gary, we are saying go Mariners for this week. And you can go ahead and catch Mariners Talk next week at the same time, 7 Pacific Standard Time. And uh, like I said, this is us ending the podcast. Go Mariners. <laughs>